Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Money FM 89.3, you're listening to The Breakfast Huddle. Time now to turn our attention to headlines coming out from China. Uh, from Beijing, finally signing an agreement uh, with the U.S. audit regulator to let them inspect and investigate registered accounting firms in China and Hong Kong to profit at China's state-owned uh, firms fell 2.1% to 2.68 trillion yuan in the first seven months of the year. Uh, to give us analysis of those headlines and more we have on the line Dr. Owe San, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Welcome back. Hi, good morning to all of you. Good morning, sir. Let's get straight into it. The U.S. audit regulator has said it has signed an agreement with Chinese regulators taking a first step toward inspecting and investigating registered accounting firms in China and Hong Kong. Uh, can you tell us more details of the agreement and how detailed is it? Well, I think uh, we are still looking for really the details of this agreement. But uh, from what we know uh, at the moment, China would grant permissions apparently for U.S. uh, regulators to be on the ground in China inspecting some of these uh, U.S. uh, listed uh, China companies. So that is a major breakthrough because, uh, you know, China has always been sensitive about uh, U.S. officials doing, the, well, the official duties on uh, China's territories and also uh, with respect to China's companies. And, you know, tell us a little bit more about how China has finally agreed to give uh, the U.S. access to audit papers of Chinese companies listed in the U.S. Well, I think uh, China has been struggling with this uh, for a while. Uh, number one, as we said, you know, to allow U.S. officials to really look into the details of some of these uh, Chinese companies. Some of them are, shall we say, quasi-state-on, you know, like they have uh, sort of uh, shadows of uh, Chinese uh, official control in it, and China may or may not like the U.S. to get to know more uh, about that. But I think eventually China felt that uh, access to the U.S. uh, capital market uh, outweighs uh, everything else. Hmm, very interesting. Uh, but, you know, is there a delisting risk for the U.S.-listed Chinese stocks about now? Well, because this is just the first step towards uh, eventually the U.S. Uh, regulators gaining more insights as to whether these uh, Chinese companies are indeed compliant with some of the U.S. Uh, rules. So at this point, I think it's good news for a lot of these uh, listed companies. But uh, when it is really carried out, uh, on the ground, uh, we have to see whether the U.S. side uh, is uh, satisfied. Yeah, let's uh, turn to uh, news of a U.S. lawmaker on the Senate Commerce and Armed Services Committee um, has visited Taiwan on the third visit by U.S. dignitary this month. Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn arrived in Taiwan's capital, Taipei, on board a U.S. military aircraft. Do you think the U.S. is just pushing its limit with China at this point now? Well, that is uh, one aspect of it, to really see what China's uh, reaction would be uh, when, when all these uh, U.S. officials are visiting. and Because China uh, would consider those uh, to be uh, almost a recognition, official recognition of uh, Taiwan's status, uh, right? And, but on the other hand, it's uh, also the, this, uh, well, primarily senators or congressmen from the United States almost trying to uh, outdo each other 
in order to uh, visit uh, Taiwan because this is election uh, season in the U.S. with the midterm elections and so on. And uh, so-called playing the Taiwan card would hopefully for some of these uh, legislators improve their chances of winning again. And how long more can and will China, you know, possibly tolerate these visits by U.S. lawmakers? Well, as I said, I think this is likely to continue until the U.S. midterm election in early uh, November. Uh, But China, I think, would also uh, react uh, very strongly to this uh, during this period with more military drills and, for example, sanctioning some of these uh, U.S. officials here. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Um, Doctor, moving um, elsewhere, according to the World Bank, nearly 40% of the debt which the poorest countries own is due to China. And these countries are in no position to repay it. From your perspective, is this a balloon waiting to burst at any time? Well, because these are some of the least developed countries, frankly speaking, the likelihood of them uh, repaying uh, China for this debt, uh, I think, is very questionable. That's why recently, I think just two weeks ago, we, we discussed about China announcing the forgiving of quite a number of uh, these debts to the least developed uh, countries. And could we possibly see China change its way as it faces an overseas debt crisis? I mean, can you possibly see that happening? Well, of course, uh, China, just with any other country, uh, at some point, you know, it also could not afford to keep on lending money to these countries and not uh, having them paid back, right? Sometimes you get uh, payment in kind, but sometimes you don't. People simply or countries simply refuse uh, to pay. So I think China, of course, is also looking at this very carefully, especially with its uh, domestic uh, economic concerns. Yeah, from the debt of all these poor countries, uh, let's move on to uh, China's Ministry of Finance. Profit at China's state-owned firms fell 2.1% to 2.68 trillion yuan in the first seven months of the year, uh, compared to the same period last year. Talk us through the factors leading uh, to the fall in profits for the country's state-owned firms. Well, of course, the single most serious uh, domestic sector will be the continued uh, shutdown to, well, sporadic but continued shutdown of uh, various sectors of the economies due to the pandemic concerns uh, within China. And internationally, of course, uh, there are also headwinds because uh, demands uh, would uh, decrease for a number of uh, products. And therefore, a lot of these uh, China state-owned companies, just like their uh, private sector counterparts, are facing a lot of challenges to their profit for the last year. And before we wrap up this conversation, just want to quickly touch on China's uh, state council, how they've announced more stimulus policies, including an additional 300 billion yuan in quotas for infrastructure spending and investments by banks on top of the 300 billion yuan already announced at the end of June. Why is China's latest pledge to spend big on infrastructure uh, doing little to move prices of iron ore and steel? Well, because you need to uh, really uh, build these infrastructures, even with this uh, huge amount of money being poured into the building sector. And again, with this, you know, shutdowns from time to time, sometimes it is hard to uh, foresee when this sort of uh, huge amount of money could indeed 
been poured, literally poured into the ground such that new highways and ports and so on could be uh, built. And therefore, some of these uh, expectations for this uh, infrastructure uh, spending to really stimulate the economy, I think these expectations are really dampened, yeah. We've been catching up with all the latest headlines coming out from China with Dr. Owe's son, Senior Fellow, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of the week. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.